Blog Talk Radio. Knowledge is being buried. Truth is being hidden. Schools where truth and knowledge are supposed to be exposed are being covered by nepotism, favoritism, politics, and racism. And Africans continue to suffer at the hands of this oppressor. How could something like public schools go so bad, so quickly, in front of our very eyes? Maybe because it was never what it seemed to be. Let's unplug our minds from this racist matrix and find wisdom, knowledge, and truth in the mind beneath the school with your host, Mama Adana Aina Aluwasi. So let's do that so we can get started We call upon our ancestors far near Fathers of our fathers, mothers of our mothers To bear witness to what we have done And by their example to continue to inspire us toward Reclaiming our African mind, regenerating our African spirit Liberating our homeland and reclaiming our greatness as a people We pour this libation to bring into our midst the venerable African spirit radiating their great wisdom, courage, dedication, and unyielding commitment to victory by any means necessary. It is in the honor of our creator, our ancestors, our children, and their children that we pour this libation. For the creator and the various manifestations of the creative spirit, we pour libation. For our esteemed ancestors who laid the foundation for human civilization, who provided the wisdom by which we live and the models by which our lives are guided. We pour libation for our esteemed ancestors who have suffered the atrocities and horrors of the Mayafa and yet demonstrated the victorious power of the African spirit against adversity by maintaining their dignity no matter the cost. We pour libation, and for those ancestors who survived and made it possible for us to be here today to continue on their valiant struggle for African liberation and vindication. We pour libation, finally, for our children and their children and the future generations of Africans to come, that they too, in their time, will vindicate our race from all adversaries and continue to imprint upon the world the great genius of African humanity. We pour this libation, and may the venerable African spirit engulf this occasion, reaffirm our African spirit, and it is done. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. All right. Once again, good evening and welcome. We're going to jump right in. Um, I... um, we're going to be looking at today what does African learning look like from the center. And you may uh, say, well, I know what African-centeredness is, and I, I, but a lot of times we don't know exactly what that means to be 
in the middle. And that that is no insult or or you know uh, uh, you know uh, coming at your neck or anything like that. Uh, uh, we have been trained not to be in the center. We have been trained not to see ourselves in the center. We have been trained to be uh, objects and not subjects. Uh, and before I I I, I begin uh, uh, in the uh, introduction, I. Um, wanted to say about uh, what happened this past week in the segment uh, called Looking Black. And the first thing was a symposium at the MKA Institute, uh, Malefi Asante Institute. And if you haven't been, uh, please, it's uh, 5535 Germantown Avenue in Philadelphia. He's having a free, this this week, all weekend long, he's having an African Film Festival uh, shorts. You know, I think the films are like 15 or 20 minutes, and then there is a, a discussion afterwards. So if you are free and available uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, come out. You know, I definitely will be there Saturday. Um, and uh, this past Saturday, uh, he had uh, Brother Rahim Islam, uh, founder and CEO of Universal Companies, um, there uh, giving a symposium on uh, the uh, uh, what is happening with the the challenge to the of the black community and. It was very, very inspiring um, to hear, you know, uh, what uh, uh, Brother uh, uh, Islam had to say. And um, basically what he was talking about was uh, the finances of the black community and how we need to reinvest in that uh, uh, we don't have the resources right now to really do what we need to do. But he did say one thing that, that I have been saying, and so I was proud that I, at least I was on the right uh, uh, um, track, was that we need an agenda. And he was also, you know, saying basically what I have been saying is that in the past we have had organizations that have set an agenda. And no matter which organization it was, it was core you know, whether it was the SNCC, whether it was the SCLC, whoever it was, uh, 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 the Black Panthers, who, whomever it was that you aligned yourself with, there was somebody that you aligned yourself with, and their agenda was what you were agree agreement with. And today we really don't have an organization. We have people who are speaking, but uh, we really don't have organizations that really set forth an agenda and uh, one of the things I did find out about and that I joined was uh, uh, online was the Philadelphia Community of Leaders. And PICO, um, as it's known, uh, is, is a dynamic group of, of, of Africans in Philadelphia that are getting together to come, and then they have different committees. Uh, of course, I joined the Education Committee, and they have different committees that you can join uh, to get together as a think tank to come up with uh, different agendas addressing different needs. They have the politics. I don't know them all. I don't want to speak wrongly. But look at it, you know, uh, if you have a chance, Google it, uh, the Philadelphia Community of Leaders, and uh, uh, check it out and, and, and make a donation and uh, um Brother Islam is really was just, uh, and he co-founded, like I said, Universal Companies along with Kenny Gamble, and uh, so you know he was he was together, and people actually came out, you know, brave because it was cold, you know, this Saturday, but people still came out to hear this 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 amazing brother speak on on the economic situation in the black community and uh, uh, the state of black Philadelphia, the future of our communities, uh, was the exact name of the symposium. And uh, uh, you can, first of all, go to the MKA Institute and hear so many fascinating uh, talks just like that. Uh, the, the books, they have a um, 
one this this uh, Thursday coming up where it's like a, a book club and uh, like I said this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they have uh, uh, a film festival, an African film festival. Uh, so you know you might want to check that out. And that's the MKA Malefi Asante Institute at fifty five thirty five Germantown Avenue. Um, I was actually, after once I signed up for PICO, uh, they had a meeting today uh, from 5.30 to 7 um, downtown at the Board of Education. Uh, there was the first meeting of the year for the uh, 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 for the Education Committee, but I was feeling under the weather. I, I really wanted to go, and I couldn't, but as soon as I find out and get the minutes of the meeting and everything and find out exactly uh, what was going on and what they discussed um i will i will you know i will definitely share that uh also there were a few things from uh city council that dealt with um education um councilman cindy bass introduced a uh, business nuisance bill now what does this have to do with education well it's it's called she introduced uh the business nuisance bill and basically what this bill that she introduced is is that is that people uh, business owners uh in the community ought to start monitoring their premises and uh basically help prevent bad behavior okay like the chinese stores that stay open till 2 and 3 o'clock uh and you have kids outside young africans outside or whomever outside doing having illegal activities selling drugs loitering whatever the case may be um i don't know exactly how you are supposed to monitor i don't know exactly what it is that you are expected to do um but they they're talking about like if in other words if it is found that your store has a lot of illegal activities you stay open late and there are a lot of legal activities, you know, whatever deals being made or or whatever, and you were not doing anything that uh, that you will be fined. Now, once again, I really don't know exactly what what they base that on, whether or not like people have to call in and say, well, so and so, you know, uh, 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 restaurant is allowing this to happen, or this. Uh, 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 candy stores allowing this to happen and, 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 and community people actually call in I will find out more about that but I felt that that was uh, uh, interesting um, because it is a way of, of, of maybe monitoring what is happening and what kind of activities and who exactly cares about what is going on you know after hours in our communities when 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 uh uh these things are going down when these shootings are occur occurring and and so on and so forth um that was one thing uh out of that came i i did a little research and and uh and I'll get into that later about uh the unemployed uh youth and uh the ones who are unemployed and out of school and how and and who that might affect um so those are just a couple of things that happened uh this weekend on uh looking black uh my little segment on on what was going on uh during the the past week since the last time we spoke um like I said, this is uh the episode we were gonna look at what does African learning look like from the center. I wanna start off with looking at again. Uh, chapter three. You know, we've been been kind of going through, and I like I like doing this, going through the miseducation of the Negro by, of course, uh, ancestor Dr. Carter G. Woodson. Um, and this chapter, you know, I want to talk about a little bit before I actually play it, is about how we actually did the, the name of the chapter is how we drifted away from the truth. And basically what Dr. Woodson is saying is that we, we, we drifted from the truth because we were never taught the truth. And we were never and, 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 and we never asked the questions that will enable us to gain the truth. Okay? The the the, the once again, this educational system was not meant 
for the African to be successful. Okay, we, we, we have to, in order for us to start infusing African-centeredness into our schools and into our, our children, it has to be infused in our minds. And the first thing is that we have to re-look at our position from the center. Now, what does that look like? And I've said this almost every week is that that means we are at the center. We are no longer the object. We are the subject of all things. Every single core curriculum that you have, the African is at the center of learning. And you may think that that is very impossible to do. And that is very confusing, and that is just like it, it, it sounds so racist. And it's not. Not only is it not racist, it's the truth. In order for us to be honest and aware of anything, learning, we must erase so many things that we have been taught that have been wrong. And the first thing is that Africa is at the center. It is at the beginning of all things. It is the essence, the beginning of the truth. And once you start with understanding that Africa is the truth, it is centered at the truth, then the learning and the understanding of African people does it become so difficult? Before I continue, if you want to join me uh, and just call in and give an opinion, the number is 516-418-5575. Again, 516-418-5575. And so, Doctor, which I'm just going to, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to quote too much because I want to play it first. Those people who are far removed from the physical characteristics of the Caucasian or who don't materially assist them in the domination or exploitation of others were not mentioned except to be belittled or decried. We were not meant to be seen as human. We were not meant to be understood to be a part of the creation and the goodness of mankind. We were totally erased in, in, in every sense of the word, except when we were saved. We were savages and we were saved. We were savages and we were enslaved. It gave credence to all the things that have happened and are still happening to the African diaspora. Okay, if, if if people reduce you to an animal, then they don't. You, you don't have to. You you are no longer a subject. It isn't necessary for you to be a subject because you're not a you're not a person. You're not somebody who is considered to be a person. And so we must erase all of this from our minds, and we still do this today. It's in our commercials. It's in how we carry ourselves. It's in our self-esteem. All of these things are an embodiment of the educational system. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this now, um, and then you 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 listen. And like I said before, if you after we played it and you want to uh, comment, please call in, 516-418-5575. Chapter 3, The Miseducation of the Negro, How We Drifted Away from the Truth. Chapter 3, How We Drifted Away from the Truth. How then did the education of the Negro take such a trend? The people who maintained schools for the education of certain Negroes before the Civil War were certainly sincere, and so were the missionary workers who went south to enlighten the freedmen after the results of that conflict had given the Negroes a new status. These earnest workers, however, had more enthusiasm than knowledge. They did not understand the task before them. 
This undertaking, too, was more of an effort towards social uplift than an actual education. Their aim was to transform the Negroes, not to develop them. The freedmen who were to be enlightened were given little thought, for the best friends of the race, ill-taught themselves, followed the traditional curricula of the times which did not take the Negro into consideration except to condemn or pity him. In geography, the races were described in conformity with the program of the usual propaganda to engender in whites a race hate of the Negro, and in the Negroes a contempt for themselves. A poet of distinction was selected to illustrate the physical features of the white race, a bedecked chief of a tribe, those of the red, a proud warrior, the brown, a prince, the yellow, and a savage with a ring in his nose, the black. The Negro, of course, stood at the foot of the social ladder. The description of the various parts of the world was worked out according to the same plan. The parts inhabited by the Caucasian were treated in detail. Less attention was given to the yellow people, still less to the red, very little to the brown, and practically none to the black race. Those people who are far removed from the physical characteristics of the Caucasians or who do not materially assist them in the domination or exploitation of others were not mentioned except to be belittled or decried. From the teaching of science, the Negro was likewise eliminated. The beginnings of science in various parts of the Orient were mentioned, but the Africans' early advancement in this field was omitted. Students were not told that ancient Africans of the interior knew sufficient science to concoct poisons for arrowheads, to mix durable colors for paintings, to extract metals from nature and refine them for development in the industrial arts. Very little was said about the chemistry and the method of Egyptian embalming, which was the product of the mixed breeds of northern Africa, now known in the modern world as colored people. In the study of language in school, pupils were made to scoff at the Negro dialect as some peculiar possession of the Negro which they should despise, rather than directed to study the background of this language as a broken-down African tongue. In short, to understand their own linguistic history, which is certainly more important for them than the study of French phonetics or historical Spanish grammar. To the African language, as such, no attention was given except in case of the preparation of traders, missionaries, and public functionaries to exploit the natives. This number of persons thus trained, of course, constituted a small fraction hardly deserving attention. From literature, the African was excluded altogether. He was not supposed to have expressed any thought worth knowing. The philosophy in the African proverbs and in the rich folklore of that continent was ignored to give preference to that developed on the distant shores of the Mediterranean. Most missionary teachers of the freedmen, like most men of our time, had never read the interesting books of travel in Africa and had never heard of the Tariq es Sudan. In the teaching of fine arts, these instructors usually started with Greece by showing how that art was influenced from without, but they omitted the African influence which scientists now regard as significant and dominant in early Hellas. They failed to teach the students the Mediterranean melting pot with the Negroes from Africa bringing their wares, their ideas, and their blood therein to influence the history of Greece, Carthage, and Rome. Making desire father to thought, our teachers either ignored these influences or endeavored to belittle them by working out theories to the contrary. The bias did not stop at this point, for it invaded the teaching of the professions. Negro law students were told that they belonged to the most criminal element in the country, and an effort was made to justify the procedure in the seats of injustice, where law was interpreted as being one thing for the white man and a different thing for the Negro. In constitutional law, the spinelessness of the United States Supreme Court in permitting the judicial nullification of the 14th and 15th Amendments was and still is boldly upheld in our few law schools. In medical schools, Negroes were likewise convinced of their inferiority in being reminded of their role as germ carriers. The prevalence of syphilis and tuberculosis among Negroes was especially emphasized without showing that these maladies are more deadly among the Negroes for the reason that they are Caucasian diseases. 
And since these plagues are new to Negroes, these sufferers have not had time to develop against them the immunity which time has permitted in the Caucasian. Other diseases to which Negroes easily fall prey were mentioned to point out the race as an undesirable element when this condition was due to the Negro's economic and social status. Little emphasis was placed upon the immunity of the Negro from diseases like yellow fever and influenza, which are so disastrous to whites. Yet, the whites were not considered inferior because of this differential resistance to these plagues. In history, of course, the Negro had no place in this curriculum. He was pictured as a human being of the lower order, unable to subject passion to reason, and therefore useful only when made the hewer of wood and the drawer of water for others. No thought was given to the history of Africa, except so far as it had been a field of exploitation for the Caucasian. You might study the history as it was offered in our system from the elementary school throughout the university, and you would never hear Africa mentioned except in the negative. You would never thereby learn that Africans first domesticated the sheep, goat, and cow, developed the idea of trial by jury, produced the first stringed instruments, and gave the world its greatest boon in the discovery of iron. You would never know that prior to the Mohammedan invasion about 1000 A.D., these natives in the heart of Africa had developed powerful kingdoms which were later organized as the Songhe Empire on the order of that of the Romans and boasting of similar grandeur. Unlike other people then, the Negro, according to this point of view, was an exception to the natural plan of things, and he had no such mission as that of an outstanding contribution to culture. The status of the Negro then was justly fixed as that of an inferior. Teachers of Negroes in their first schools after emancipation did not proclaim any such doctrine, but the content of their curricula justified these inferences. An observer from outside of the situation naturally inquires why the Negroes, many of whom serve their race as teachers, have not changed this program. These teachers, however, are powerless. Negroes have no control over their education and have little voice in their other affairs pertaining thereto. In a few cases, Negroes have been chosen as members of public boards of education and some have been appointed members of private boards, but these Negroes are always such a small minority that they do not figure in the final working out of the educational program. The education of the Negroes, then, the most important thing in the uplift of the Negroes, is almost entirely in the hands of those who have enslaved them and now segregate them. With miseducated Negroes in control themselves, however, it is doubtful that the system would be very much different from what it is or that it would rapidly undergo change. The Negroes thus placed in charge would be the products of the same system and would show no more conception of the task at hand than do whites who have educated them and shaped their minds as they would have had them function. Negro educators of today may have more sympathy and interest in the race than whites now exploiting Negro institutions as educators, but the former have no more vision than their competitors. Taught from books of the same bias, trained by Caucasians of the same prejudices, or by Negroes of enslaved minds, one generation of Negro teachers after another have served for no higher purpose than to do what they are told to do. In other words, a Negro teacher instructing Negro children is in many respects a white teacher thus engaged, for the program in each case is about the same. There can be no reasonable objection to the Negro's doing what the white man tells him to do, if the white man tells him to do what is right. But right is purely relative. The present system under the control of the whites trains the Negro to be white and at the same time convinces him of the impropriety or the impossibility of his becoming white. It compels the Negro to become a good Negro for the performance of which his education is ill-suited. For the white man's exploitation of the Negro through economic restriction and segregation, the present system is sound and will doubtless continue until this gives place to the saner policy of actual interracial cooperation. Not the present farce of racial manipulation in which the Negro is a figurehead. History does not furnish a case of the elevation of a people by ignoring the thought and aspiration of the people thus served. This is slightly dangerous ground here, however. 
For the Negro's mind has been all but perfectly enslaved in that he has been trained to think what is desired of him. The highly educated Negroes do not like to hear anything uttered against this procedure because they make their living in this way, and they feel that they must defend the system. Few miseducated Negroes ever act otherwise, and, if they so express themselves, they are easily crushed by the large majority to the contrary, so that the procession may move on without interruption. The result, then, is that the Negroes thus miseducated are of no service to themselves and none to the white man. The white man does not need the Negroes' professional, commercial, or industrial assistance, and as a result of the multiplication of mechanical appliances, he no longer needs them in drudgery or menial service. The highly educated Negroes, moreover, do not need the Negro professional or commercial classes because Negroes have been taught that whites can serve them more efficiently in these spheres. Reduced, then, to teaching and preaching, the Negroes will have no outlet but to go down a blind alley if the sort of education which they are now receiving is to enable them to find the way out of their present difficulties. Okay. Now, so what that basically means is that even if you are a, a, an African teacher born in America, African-born American teacher, you have been trained, you have been educated by the oppressive system. The white man taught you. So therefore, when you go before African children, young African children born in America, to teach them, you are teaching them basically the system that you were taught. It 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 it, it doesn't make any difference what color you are. Because you have been taught through this white system, this Eurocentric system, okay, how to teach by a white man's uh, uh, curriculum. It's the, it's 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 not, and it, and it's not just the curriculum; it is the thinking. You have to walk into a classroom, African centered. Which means that basically you must be retrained, and then, as it goes along, all of these children eventually, eventually, because we are we are infusing and changing this curriculum to an African-centered curriculum. Okay, so you have to start from preschool and work your way up. Now, many people feel. And that is an, an argument that needs to be that that could be looked at. That the only way to do this is by homeschooling. That the public school system is so flawed between not only just the teachers but the administrators. Remember what I had said is that 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 even though almost in this country. Half of the children in public schools are, are African. Okay, 88% of their teachers are white. And some kind of that same percentage are white women. These same said people who are teaching in public schools do not walk in and have not been retrained in the African-centered way of thinking. Then your teaching is going to be Eurocentric. And I don't care how many days you spend during Black History Month. You know, that's the only time we really get, you know, somewhat African-centered at teaching and trying to cram thousands and thousands and thousands of years of African history from the beginning of time, you can't squeeze. It, it shouldn't be squeezed. You have to walk in with that thought. Now, here's here's the thing, because I, I was looking at something. What would that look like? What 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 is what would a curriculum look like? Because I want to make sure that, that you understand when I say curriculum, you have four core curriculum areas. You have math, 
You have science, you have English, and you have social studies. Now, you also have other uh, classes that you have to take, like foreign language. So we'll deal, we'll deal with those, those, those five. And music, we'll deal with six. We'll deal with six. Now, from ninth through twelfth, teachers are taught, okay, that you must have an essential question. What is the essential question? What 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 are we trying to answer here? Throughout the, the this theme, whatever the theme is, usually classes are taught separately. I have an essential question for social studies. I have an essential question for English, math, science, foreign language, music. Okay. But say, for instance, in an African-centered school, what it is is that your curriculum starts with a unified essential question. Ninth grade. Let's start off with ninth grade. And let's just say the, the essential question is something simple because because I want to say, how were the pyramids built? Now, you know, we could we – could, you could – Kind of change that or whatever, but I'm I'm keeping it simple because I'm 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 just trying to make a point here. And the essential question is, how were the pyramids built? How did they last this long? What what what, what is you know what what is their purpose? Okay, and in each area of the curriculum, you would spend uh, uh, your time in your classroom answering this question. In mathematics, of course, it would be the geometry and the algebra. Now, you see, in the in the Eurocentric way of thinking, you know, we 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 would you 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 start off thinking that Euclid was the father of geometry. He was not. He was a Greek, and he was considered the father of geometry. He could not have been if, in fact, he existed in 365 BC. Okay, the pyramids were built between 2630 and 2611 BC, almost 2,000 years before Euclid was even was even conceived of. Look at the pyramids; that's geometry. And then you would go from there, the inside of the pyramid, which is actually the, the burial ground for the for the. Uh, great leaders of of Egypt at that at that time and that was the basis for 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 their building english and social studies are always kind of easy what were the pyramids you know history pyramids english you have to look at the hieroglyphics the writing we were writing before anybody was writing what were they writing about what was the purpose of the writings on the wall. Okay. And finally, science. I want to say this carefully. It would have to be scientific because they haven't sank. You notice in 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 in, in Atlantic City, one of the things that's going wrong in Atlantic City is that the casinos are sinking because they were built on sand? How is it that the casinos can sink or sinking, but the pyramids have lasted, have not moved? They are immovable. Now you've gone across every every aspect. You've gone across all curriculum. And basically everybody gets together in the summertime, teachers get together, and then you discuss this. How are you going to approach this question in each individual uh, core curriculum class? Foreign language. The foreign languages are Eurocentric, including English. If you find a country that speaks Spanish and they are black, they were colonized by the Spanish. It's not that deep. If you find an African country or an African diasporic that is speaking French, they were colonized by either the French or the Belgian. 
if you find a a a, a, a country, African diasporic, that is speaking Portuguese, they were colonized by the Portuguese. Starting with that, then you move on. There is nothing wrong, and I this is my personal opinion, with learning Nubian and the Nubian language, which is a language. It's an African language. Learning Swahili, it is an African language. But if, in fact, you are going to stick with the Eurocentric, see, languages that are taught, Arabic, I would even to a certain extent. Some might argue with me, and I'm I'm not saying yay or nay, would argue with me about learning Arabic. I, you know, but that would be discussion. That would be discussion. But you were starting with understanding that if, in fact, you were teaching a language, uh, uh, one of the, the three uh, uh, Romance languages, which, you know, with French, Spanish, whichever, at least teach the languages that the diasporic is learning and then find out how that happened, how we came to speak that language anyway. And then music. Dr. Woodson, Ancestor Woodson, just said we created the string instruments. So before we even start learning how to play these instruments, which is important, that's why music is so important. The arts are so important. We have an understanding that they are African. Well, Mama, how would you relate that to uh, how the pyramids are built? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. All I know is that we created it, and somehow or another we can make that work. I, I, I am not, you know, that is not my area of expertise, but I know there was music during this time when the pyramids existed. I know there was art, painting, during this time when the pyramids existed, were being built. And any kind of question that you ask, the essential question, you know, each grade, from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, everybody has an essential question. I believe, in my personal opinion, that all curriculum should be connected especially if they are African-centered, so that everybody's answering the same question. Learning whatever it is that they're supposed to learn, but learning it in an African-centered way where we are at the center. The learning hasn't changed. It's the centeredness that has changed. And then all of a sudden, a lot of things that we learn, that kids learn, that African that African scholars learn, young African scholars learn in school is not unnecessary. It's not a bunch of crap that they're going to forget about when they leave because they are connected to the learning. Will they use geometry? or? Of course. When you move, and I don't have to explain this, or algebra, mathematics, but you see, because it is centered, and we are at the center, they will be able to see how it is used. They will be able to see the importance of it. They will be able to see the importance of history. As usually the first subject that people say, why I need to know this? That's a good question. If it's Eurocentric, if history is Eurocentric and that is what we are teaching, no, it's not important. But if, in fact, you start with Africa being at the center, the beginning of mankind, then all of a sudden it becomes very important. And you see yourself in it because you are in it. You are it. And everybody else is on the outside looking in. All of a sudden the Eurocentric way of looking at things is the outside looking in. how they feel that that children need to be taught, not African children, how they feel the behavior, certain things explain the behavior of No, not African children, our children. 
a totally different thing. How we look at our children, how they are being treated, then all of a sudden, special education, totally different. It looks different. Is special education necessary? Of course it is. I'm a special education teacher. Of course it is. But not as rampant where the majority of the children in special education are African. Why? Because that's where you put them so that that way they don't, it doesn't bring your scores down, these test scores, which is another show at another time. So what do you do with these young black boys and young black girls that you don't know how to handle? Me personally, I, I'm, I've become grandma and I'd be in their face, okay? And I, I always get the response that I want. Sometimes I, 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 I do what I do and I always get the response that I want. That's me. Some people say I, I fuss too much. That may be that may be the case. Maybe that is true. But the point is, here's the thing. They know me. I sound like. I look like. I am familiar. As Alice Walker said, I, I am a part of the temple of their familiar. I am part of their familiar. I am grandma during the course of, of, of because of my age, and there is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that because in me they see themselves. They see their home life. They see their family life. And no matter what that may look like, I'm a part of it. More black men are needed. So that that could become a part because they are they are so disenfranchised, they are so removed from the African child born in America, a positive role model, a black man, young black man like the Dr. Hayes that I had on last week. They 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 could see him, they could feel him, they could touch him. He is real. And from there, young black men can have an example of who it is, who it is that they they could be. Okay, just like Dr. Hazy, he starts off, what is it that you want to be? Where do you see yourself? And then you start from there. African-centered education. We need more African teachers. We need more African teachers that are African-centered. We don't need no more Eurocentric. That's the whole thing of infusing the African, Afrocentric way of thinking into the classroom. We need African teachers that are African-centered, that look like our own children. Now, I brought up a, a, a thing called homeschooling. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that this week. I'm going to, that's, that's next week, African homeschooling, African-centered homeschooling. I, I have a curriculum that I bought from the Kamali Academy. Homeschooling means that mothers and fathers and guardians basically teach their children at home, come up with their own curriculum, with their own way of doing things. I have nothing against homeschooling. I think it's a, I think it is a viable uh, alternative to public school. If in fact the belief is that the African-centered way of doing things cannot be infused into the public school system, where the majority of our children are then homeschooling is an option. Another option is starting our own African-centered schools. We have two here in, in Philadelphia. We have Imhotep, we have Sankofa. Imhotep is a high school. 
Sankofa is the only African-centered school that goes from K through 12. They start with children, and they go all the way through 12th grade and graduate. Wonderful institutions. Many of the other ones are are are, are not being funded. They're not being recharted. Uh, the, the system is coming down with a hammer, and Emotep uh, and Sankofa themselves have been under scrutiny. Why is that? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. But I don't think that it, it would take a rocket scientist to figure out that the main thing is the curriculum. And that you have to answer, as Dr. Woodson just said. He just said it. We have to answer to the system that wants to hold us down. That if, in fact, you are answering to the Eurocentric system, then you can't expect much justice, educational justice there. What it, I, I'm going to read, read what he said. In history, of course, the Negro had no place in his curriculum. He was pictured as a human being of the lower order, unable to subject passion to reason and therefore useful only when made the hewer of wood and the drawer of water for others. As long as we were slaves and we were the lower order, and it still is true. When we still have racists in, 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 in a curriculum and they are held up high, well, we forget about the fact that Mark Twain was a racist. We can forget about the fact that uh, James Thackeray was a racist. We can forget about the fact that Woodrow Wilson was a stone-cold-blooded racist. That has no place. He must be brought out, these men and some women, Uncle Tom's cabin is is the uh, is the all in all and how to explain you know how how we gain sympathy of the white people really. It also created all of the negative uh, stereotypes of black people that Hollywood picked up on. And as long as we hold these things up high, these learnings up high, these Eurocentric way of of, of behavior how to handle misbehaved children and put them in special education classes because you don't know how to handle them and they're ruining your test scores. As long as we keep doing this, then we must come up with alternatives, alternatives to public education. First up next week, what we will be doing is homeschooling. Is that a viable means of of teaching? Will you learn the same at home with somebody who is African-centered at home that you would in school? We have to come up with something. Dr. Melissa, like I said last week, the week before, is going to Pittsburgh to infuse the African-centered way of thinking into the public school system. What does that mean? That means that you're going to lose a lot of people. You're going to have to get rid of. Everybody ain't going to buy into this. Dr. Woodson, that's what he's saying, okay, that, that, that it's the system that's racist. Every single system, from lawyers to doctors, Every single system, the law, judicial, medical, educational, all of these systems are flawed and they are racist, created by a, a, in, in this country, created by a racist, white supremacist system. That's the truth. And as I say, go back to the beginning of mankind, and it starts in Africa, if, in fact, you want to move all the way up thousands, thousands of years ahead of time and to when the United States was disseminated, who started the United States? If you don't think that colonizing everything and everybody that gets in your way, shoving people off of their land so you could take it over, 
so that you could teach the religion that you want to teach. So that you write great papers. Declaration of Independence is what, but nobody ever talks about the wonderful, and maybe we'll, we'll look at that, the uh, uh, Declaration of Angola, which is a beautiful uh, 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 document. But we uphold the Declaration of Independence as a great document. And if we were included, it might be, but we weren't. These men felt that slavery was a part of this whole thing, and, you know, we'll deal with that later. We, they will deal with us later. Once again, we were objects. And we must be placed in the center. From the beginning of this country, all of these systems that were created were recreated for white men. Africans had absolutely nothing at all to do with this, including the educational system. It was not created for African children, African teenagers, young African adults to be successful. We are thrown bones. Black History Month is a bone. Started by Dr. Wizard, don't get me wrong. It was just, a, you know, he thought, you know, and everything, and it kind of stuck, and it happened in February and, and everything like that. And that would be wonderful, you know, like a big celebration of African history is done in February, but African history is 365 days a year. Not just the month of February. February could be when we really, you know, we get into it, giving deep thought to African history, African-American history, Africans in America, the African diasporic, and we give great thought to that. The month of February is not when we're trying to cram everything in the 28, 29 days of what we did. And it's the same people over and over and over again. <coughs> we have so many great Africans and African born in America, Africans born in Haiti, Africans born in Brazil, Africans born in Angola, Africans born in Kenya, all colonized. We have great Africans all over throughout history from the beginning of time. Squeeze all of that, thousands and thousands of years into a month. African history is 365 days a year. People, my time is growing nigh. I want to thank you for joining me. I hope that your week is, is blessed. Uh, and that you are teaching one, everyone teach one, and that you are doing your best in order to bring about change in the young African child's life. This is your host, Mama Donna Alawasi, and you have been listening to The Mind Beneath the School. I will see you next Tuesday, and I hope that everything that you do, okay, will be blessed. Take care. Sun up down on the corner uptown. I turn around and hear the sound of voices talking about who's gonna die next. Cause the white man's got a god complex. Silent niggas scream for help.
talking about.